So we're up to James chapter 3. We're reading from verse 1. If you've got your Bible with you, you can read along with me. If not, just listen. This is James chapter 3 verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So James devotes half a chapter, which is a huge amount of space in a letter that's only five chapters long, to discussing a very small, seemingly insignificant part of the human body, the tongue. And James says the tongue is small, but it's powerful. It can easily cause things to get out of hand and it can be incredibly fickle at times. And he uses five different word pictures to explain what he means. So firstly, James says the tongue is like a bit or a rudder. So you know what a bit is, don't you? It's the small bit of metal that goes in the horse's mouth. So relatively small thing, but it can control a very powerful animal. And you pull on the pull it to the right or the left, and and the the horse will go. In the same way, a rudder, very small part of a huge boat, but it can turn a ship. So in both of those pictures, it's something that's small, and seemingly insignificant that controls something really big. So. James is suggesting that our tongue is similar, that it's a little thing, but it has amazing power. And then he likens our tongues to a fire. Now, there's nothing I enjoy more than sitting around a fire. We did it on Friday night at Ignite, and a fire can be very relaxing, can't it? But there's also nothing more scary than when a fire gets out of control. And what was a little spark, what was something that can be lovely and relaxing, becomes terrifying 
we've seen that recently, haven't we, as we've watched news reports of the bushfires. People just literally have to run with the clothes that are on their back because this huge fire is just out of control so quickly. So James says that just like a tiny spark can start a huge fire, so the tongue, our tongue, and by that he means our words, can set our whole life on fire. A few little words, it escalates, and before you know it, you're facing a bushfire. And just like a bushfire, it quickly gets out of control and it can cause very deep scars and lasting pain. And then James moves on to another word picture. In verses 7 and 8, he says that we can tame all kinds of wild animals, but we can't tame our tongues. And we know that to be true, don't we? It's really hard to control what comes out of your mouth. I say stuff all the time that I think, why did I say that? What was I thinking? I blurt stuff out that is stupid. I hurt people with my words. James says, taming a lion, that's easy. Taming your tongue, not so easy. And then in verses 9 and 10, he talks about an interesting phenomenon, the way that the tongue or our words can be so fickle. In one breath, we're praising God. In the next breath, we're bagging someone out. And James says it's like a spring that flows salt and fresh water at the same time, or a fruit tree that bears both figs and olives. It's wrong, it's unnatural, it shouldn't happen. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this passage and I think, yep, you don't have to convince me. I know it. I know that the tongue is hard to control. It can cause huge damage. I know that. I've been both on the giving and the receiving end of uncontrolled words. And I've been there enough times to know that the tongue is, is hard to control and easily causes damage. So I'm with James on this one. But what I want to know is how do I do something about it? How do I actually control my tongue? I know it's hard. I know that it can cause damage. I know that it can cause me damage. So what do I do about it? So I've done some reading and some thinking this week and what I want to do tonight is just give you some practical things that can help you with this, can help us with this because I don't think we need convincing that our words are pretty powerful and can be pretty damaging. But what we do need is some tools to actually do something about that. So... I've come up with five things. You guys are going to have more. But this is just hopefully something to get you started and something to give you something practical to help, help us with this. Firstly, if you want some great teaching about our words, get into the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has 31 chapters. And so if you read a chapter a day, you'll get through it in a month. And you'll find that almost every chapter of Proverbs 
has something in it about the tongue. Verses like Proverbs 11 verse 12, it's foolish to belittle one's neighbour. A sensible person keeps quiet. Chapter 12 verse 18, some people make cutting remarks but the words of the wise bring healing. Chapter 15 verse 4, gentle words are a tree of life but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And 25 verse 15, patience can persuade a prince and soft speech can break bones. So that's the first thing I think that will help us to get control of our tongues. And we come back to it all the time, don't we? Get into God's word. Because it will change you. It will shape you if you let it. But you've got to read it. You've got to read it regularly. You've got to make spending time in God's word part of your everyday habits. That's the first thing. Get into God's word. Proverbs is a great way to start if this is an issue for you. Second thing is going to sound like a bit of a cliche, but it's really good advice. Before you open your mouth, make sure your brain's engaged. Thank you, John. Think before you speak. Now, I talked to the Ignite kids about this on Friday night, and I'd said, I said to them, what are some ways that help you do that. And it was amazing how these young kids had all of these tools that they'd learnt from somewhere to help them think before they speak. I don't know whether they actually use them or not. There's heaps of little tricks. An old one is count to 10, count to 50, count to 100 <laughs> if you need to, count to whatever you need to get to to force yourself to stop and think before you speak. There's another one um, that gets you to ask yourself, are these words flames or flowers? Now, in the heat of the moment, some of those things are, are challenging. <laughs> Just tell you now, is this a flame or a flower? I don't care! Um, it's just a way of, uh, of helping you realise that you actually have a choice with your words to inflame a situation or to make a, a beautiful garden, <laughs> shall we say. So we can make something more beautiful or we can make something more destructive with our words. And just stopping and asking that question is a way of helping us to stop and think. One thing the kids... Um, had heard about was the acronym THINK. Has anyone ever heard of that? So the letters of the word THINK, it's uh, just another way of stopping, you, forcing you to stop and think, but the letters remind you of questions. T is, is it true? That's such a big one, isn't it? So often lies or part truths just roll off our tongues don't they? Before you speak, think, is this actually true? H, is it helpful? Is this going to help the person that I'm speaking to? Or is it going to harm them? Is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? Will these words build this person up? Or are they going to drag them down? N, is it necessary? 
Do I have to say anything at all? Is it necessary that I actually speak at this moment? Or can I just not say anything? K, is it kind? T-H-I-N-K, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? In the heat of the moment, if, you, if your brain is able to think through those questions, you're going to be thinking before you're speaking. Another good thing is to think about whether you would say that thing if the person that you're about to talk about was there in the conversation. One the Ignites kids said was, would you say that if your mother was sitting next to you? Or Jesus, <laughs> would you say that if Jesus was there with you? Which he actually is, but we forget that sometimes, don't we? However you go about it, the important thing is to actually discipline yourself to stop and think before you speak. It can save you and the people around you a whole lot of heartache and it can help you to control your tongue. So number one, get into God's word. Make it a part of your daily routine. Number two, stop and think before you speak. The third thing, talk less. Your chances of blowing it with your words are directly proportional to the amount of time that you spend with your mouth open. <laughs> Have you ever thought that? It's true for most of us. Not for all of us, but it's true for most of us. Abraham Lincoln said, It is better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> Proverbs 10.19 says, says it this way, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's Proverbs. Wise words, aren't they? I read this week about a woman who had a really serious throat condition and the doctor told her that her vocal cords needed total rest, that she was forbidden to talk for six months and she had a husband and some kids and I know it now, some of you husbands are thinking, man, that would be heaven on earth. <laughs> six months, she couldn't speak. After six months when she was able to speak... She talked about what it was like. And apart from the frustration that she suffered, as you can imagine that she would, she said that she learned a great deal from the experience. She said, you'd be surprised how many notes I crumpled up and threw into the bin before I gave them to anyone. Because just seeing my words written down before anyone actually heard them, had an effect on her that she said, I don't think I will ever forget. King David, after seeing how his words got him into trouble, he wrote this in Psalm 39. He said, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue. There is so much rubbish that comes out of our mouths, isn't there? Hurtful stuff gossip, talk that is just plain silly. You don't have to talk all the time. I'm not looking at anyone <laughs> here. I said this to the kids on Friday night and it's so true. 
We don't have to talk all the time. We don't always have to comment on every conversation. Just be quiet. It goes a long way to helping you control your tongue. Fourth thing, decide to use your words to always build others up. The Bible continuously reminds us to encourage one another with our words. Proverbs 12.25 says, An encouraging word cheers a person up. Our words can drag people down or they can build them up. We all know that. Every one of us has been at the end of words that drag us down. And many of us have experienced what it's like to have words build us up. But have you noticed that it takes so many more positive words to build you up than it takes negative words to drag you down? You can have 10 encouraging words, but one negative word will cancel all of those out. We can decide to use our words only to build up. And that doesn't mean you have to be fake. You don't have to lie when someone says, does my bum look big in these pants? That's when you invoke point three. <laughs> you don't say anything. <laughs> no, we want to keep it real. It, we want it to be real. But we can decide to build up and not drag down, to actually be an encourager. Tell your kids that they've done well, that you're proud of them. Tell your parents that you love them. Parents need encouragement too. Tell your teacher that you really enjoyed that lesson. Siblings, say something kind to each other. Husbands, wives, couples, affirm and encourage each other. Friends, be nice. Talk each other up rather than backstabbing. This has been something that I've had to struggle with over the years because I am by nature a knocker. I will naturally default to knocking, giving the chance. It's an Aussie thing. Our culture does it. And I come from a family of knockers. And that's just what we do. We knock each other all the time. And we think it's funny. And we say, oh, they know I don't mean it. They know I'm only joking. But it's not always as funny when you're on the receiving end, is it? I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, wives, when women get together, we knock our husbands in ways that we would never knock our children. We would never drag down our kids, but we drag down our husbands all the time, don't we? To, in front of them and behind their backs. The people you love are going to be knocked all the time at school, at uni, at work, decide that they're not going to be knocked by you. You should be their greatest ally. This is so important that we use our words to build up and not to drag down. Then the final thing involves your heart. Why is it so hard to control our tongues? Why does James say that in our own strength we'll never tame our tongues? 
Matthew 12, 34 tells us why. It says, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever is in your heart, that's what's going to spew out of your mouth. And our hearts without Jesus are full of garbage. And that will flow out into our whole lives. Maybe you need to allow Jesus to invade your heart, either for the first time or in a new way tonight. If you feel like that might be you, then grab someone and talk to them before you go home tonight. Because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. I talked to the kids on Friday night too about some of the stuff that can be in our hearts that can affect our words. Grief, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, jealousy, fear, all of those things will spew out in our words, won't they? So that's the, that's the final one. Deal with your heart. So your tongue, mostly out of sight, as it should be, Seemingly insignificant, but it has incredible power. We all know that. We've all been beaten up by other people's words. Five things. Get into God's word. Make it part of every day. It will affect your words, but it will affect all of your life. Stop and think before you speak. That's hard, but it can be done. (laughs) Speak less, number three. Sometimes it's better just to say nothing. Number four, decide that your words are going to be used to build up and not drag down. And deal with your heart. Because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. Let's pray together. Lord, we all struggle with this. It's so hard to control our tongues. And so we want to say sorry. We're sorry for the wounds that we've all caused through our words. We want to be people who bring life through our words, not death. We want our words to build up, to encourage, to bless. But we can't do it on our own. We need your help. So we ask tonight that you would fill us anew with your Holy Spirit and change us so that we'll be people who control our tongues and people who harness the enormous power that our words have for good and not for evil. We pray that you would do that in us, in each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.